God, I love the children. Wow. What a great day. What a great song service, Brother Howe. What a great solo. Amen. Uh, just excited about heaven one day. Amen. Uh, but the good news is, is that we don't really have to wait for it. Do you know that you can get glimpses of heaven in the life you live now? When you're out there ministering in the name of Jesus, when you're giving to other people in the name of Jesus, when you're serving in the name of Jesus, uh, guess what? You're getting glimpses of heaven. Amen? So all the Easter festivities have passed. Some of you say, thank the Lord for that. But it was a glorious celebration, wasn't it? Man, I tell you what, you guys never looked prettier than you looked last Sunday morning. Can I tell you that? It was amazing. Y'all looked gorgeous. But I also believe that the Lord Jesus was honored, honored as we all together with one unified voice remembered how he spoke to them saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of evil men. He must be crucified and on the third day rise again. What a glorious celebration it was. And I believe that last week we cleared up a number of things that caused confusion about the true meaning of Easter. But this week, if you think there's misunderstandings about Easter itself, you should see how many things are confusing about what we're to do after Easter. It will blow your mind. Today, we're going to attempt to answer the question, Jesus is resurrected, so what? But before we get into the text, I want to tell you about one year where a Sunday school teacher before Easter uh, had asked her class, does anybody know what today is? And one little girl raised her hand and she said, yes. Today is Palm Sunday, and the teacher said, that is great, you're exactly right. Does anybody know what next Sunday is? And that same girl raised her hand, and she said, next Sunday is Easter Sunday. And the teacher said, that is so good, but do you know why we celebrate Easter. And that same little girl raised her hand a third time and she said, yes, we celebrate Easter because Jesus rose from the grave. And then before her teacher could congratulate her, that little girl continued by saying, and if he sees his shadow, he goes back in for seven weeks. <laughs> Y'all, there is a ton of confusion about what we're to do after Easter. When you come to uh, Matthew chapter 28 in the scriptures, we find that Jesus has been buried or he's been crucified. He's been buried in a tomb and Pilate has placed guards around the tomb for fear that the disciples might come and try to steal the body of Jesus and claim that he has rose again. Saddens me not only then but today how people just can't bring themselves to believe in the literal resurrection of Jesus. 
Many of those same people have no problem believing that God can create by speaking an entire universe. That he has that kind of power. Those same people may believe that God Almighty would send his own son and become flesh and die for your sins and mine. They got no problem believing that. But for some reason, they don't believe that the same God has the power to raise the dead. And the reason this is, is because of Satan's deception. We do have an enemy out there. The Bible describes him as a roaring lion seeking to whom he may devour. And he's out there to deceive you and I much in the same way that he deceived Adam and Eve. He wants to deceive us, and every since the resurrection of Jesus, Satan has been trying to discredit the resurrection, to try to get people to think that it couldn't possibly be so, that there's no way it could be true, because he knows, friend, listen, he knows that the resurrection of Jesus guarantees his defeat. And he further knows that the resurrection of Jesus guarantees our deliverance from the punishment of sin. And he wants to do anything in his power to deceive you and to discredit the resurrection of Jesus. But I was wondering as I was preparing my message this week, what difference did the resurrection make in the lives of the disciples back then? But even more important than that, what difference does the resurrection of Jesus mean to us now? What difference does the resurrection of Christ mean to you? Is it just some mental assent? Yes, I acknowledge that happened. But you know, it really doesn't have any meaning to you unless that mental assent, that mental acknowledgement transfers itself into apply application to your life. So I want to get you focused on what does the resurrection mean to you now? Let's see if the Bible can help us answer some of those questions this morning. In Matthew chapter 28... In verse 1, the scriptures tell us, Now after the Sabbath, the first day of the week, began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb where Jesus lay. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing was white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Amen? 
As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And so they went out quickly from the tomb and with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them. Saying, Rejoice. So they came and they held him by the feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. So, what makes the resurrection of Jesus Christ so important for you and I? Well, first of all, because Jesus is resurrected, I want you to know this morning that Jesus removes life's fears. Jesus removes life's fears. See, there were only two kinds of people at that tomb that morning. And those same kinds of people are the ones you find here today. Non-believers and believers. We find both of those today. We find those who follow Christ and those who don't. We also find those who accept Christ and those who reject Him. In fact, in verse 4 and 5, the guard shook for fear. Callie, can you turn me down just a little bit, sweetie? And the guard shook for fear of Him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know you seek Jesus who was crucified. Did you notice in that verse that the angel only told the women not to be afraid. He didn't tell that to the guards. He wasn't talking to the guards. He wasn't talking to those Christ rejectors. He was not talking to those unbelievers. He was not talking to those who don't follow him. Instead, he was talking to the believers. In other words, he was saying, don't be afraid like those unbelievers. You see, those guards, they had every reason to be scared. Those unbelievers, they had every reason to be afraid. They had every reason to be scared. And i got to tell you this, so does every person who doesn't have a relationship with Christ today. they got good reason to be scared. Because, friend, Jesus could come back this very moment. And if he comes back this very moment, it will be too late and their souls will be eternally condemned. They have good reason to be free, afraid. But i got to tell you this. Once you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, you no longer have to fear. There's no place for the fear, for fear in the life of a believer because the resurrected Jesus Christ is the ultimate fear remover. Friend, do you know what fear is? Fear in its simplest form is a lack of trust in God. If you've got fear in your life, you're saying that I don't trust God. I don't trust him with my life. I don't trust him with this situation. I don't trust him with my crisis. I don't trust him with my circumstance. I don't trust him with my loss. I just don't trust him. And therefore, I have this fear built up in my life. But friend, trust, trust is the polar opposite 
of fear. When there is absolute trust in God, there is no room for fear. You can't be trusting and be fearful at the same time. Because fear cannot exist where trust in God is. You cannot have both. When your life is being guided by Jesus Christ, there is no room for fear. So if you're a believer today, I want to encourage you and remind you that Jesus removes today's fears. He removes tomorrow's fears. He even removes the fear of death. Amen? Because there's only life in the Lord Jesus Christ. But because Jesus is resurrected, we also know that Jesus keeps his word. Amen? He keeps his word. I want to bring your attention to three itty-bitty little words. And these three itty-bitty little words have a world of meaning to you and I. Look in verse 6. You ready for this? It comes, it's profound now. Hang on. As he said. Say that with me. As he said. As he said. Now let's try to put those three little words into context. Because Jesus on more than one occasion had told the disciples that he was going to rise from the grave on the third day. Listen to a couple of those examples. In Matthew 16, Matthew said, in that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, that he must suffer many things from the elders and chief priests, and be killed and be raised the third day. Later on in Matthew 17, while in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and the third day he will raise up, and they were exceedingly sorrowful. And in the Jesus told the go to Jerusalem, and the man turned to the hand, and even said, and they will give him death, deliver the tithe, mock to her, and crucify, and the third day he will rejoice in the way. Over and over again, go to Jerusalem, they're going to say, and I'm rise again. She came out to a lie, came out to my face, and the fall was all in every was right, because that is that. The tomb did, the record does he deserve, he tells us, you can tell me, he is from us. I want another bird, yeah? Oh, the great question, the question was that. Jesus was telling the boys. Over and today, over and over and over again. We're going to Jerusalem. Exactly right there. Gonna condemn to die. They're gonna crucify me, but I'm gonna try again. And friend, when Jesus came out of that tomb alive, when he came out of that tomb alive, every single thing that he had foretold was validated, everything was verified because the evidence was there. The tomb was indeed empty. The resurrected Lord Jesus keeps his word. He keeps his promises. You can take it to the bank. He keeps his promises. Now I want you to take another peek at verse 2 again, okay? And behold, there was a great earthquake. Now I don't know what the difference between an earthquake and a great earthquake is, but this must have been a pretty big deal. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. As we read verse 2, I want to ask you a question. Do you think that God sent an angel down to roll back this gigantic stone to let Jesus out? Then why did he even open it? 
He wanted to let the disciples in. Amen. He wanted more evidence to the fact that Jesus keeps his word. That what Jesus says, you can take it to the bank. That's exactly right. The stone was rolled back not to let Jesus out, but to let the disciples in. It was rolled back so that the disciples could see for themselves what Jesus said is exactly what they would find. Exactly. And they found themselves in an empty tomb. They found the fact that Jesus had indeed risen. And to further prove that Jesus keeps his word, Jesus made ten guest appearances after he was raised from the grave. Check these out. On the first Easter Sunday morning, he appeared to Mary Magdalene. Then he appeared to some other women. And then he appeared to Peter. Sunday afternoon, he appeared to two men on their way to Emmaus. On Sunday evening, he appeared to the ten apostles up in the upper room. And then the following Sunday, he appeared to 11 apostles. And then following 32 days, he appeared to seven disciples by the Sea of Galilee. Then he appeared to 500 at the mountain of Galilee. And then he appeared to his half-brother James. And then finally, from Mount Olive, the Lord Jesus Christ ascended into heaven. And all those disciples watched. Ten guest appearances. Ten evidences. Ten proofs. That Jesus keeps his word. Friend, you can take it to the bank. Jesus keeps his promises. As he said. Just like he said. Just like he promised. I want you to understand today that the resurrected Lord Jesus keeps his word. And what he says he means and what he means he says. Did your mama ever say that to you? I mean what I say. Amen. My mama would have been a really good Jesus. I say what I mean, and I mean what I say. Of course, she was talking to me, trying to get me to straighten up. Friend, if you don't believe me, if you don't believe the words that I'm speaking, I want to invite you this morning to take a little peek inside the tomb with me. In John chapter 20, the scriptures tell us that as he was stooping down, talking about John, as he was stooping down and looking in to the tomb, John saw the linen cloths laying on the table where Jesus lay. And then Simon Peter came because John didn't go in. Simon Peter came and followed him but Simon Peter went in, amen? Sounds just like him, don't it? Simon Peter went in. He went into the tomb. And look at what he found there. He saw those linen cloths laying on that table. And he saw the handkerchief, which had been wrapped around Jesus' face, folded together and set off in a place by itself. Jesus left behind his grave clothes as evidence that he was alive. Those grave clothes lay on that table almost like an empty cocoon. Jesus was risen. There was no sign of struggle. There was no sign of a, a quarrel or a fight of any kind. Even the cloth which was wrapped around the Lord's face 
was folded neatly and placed at the head of the table. Listen to those three words again. We just got back from inside the tomb. Listen to those three words again. As he said, can I tell you, in, in my own vernacular, in my own words, it's just like I told you it was going to be. Just like I told you it would be. As he said, Jesus promised to rise again, and he kept his promise. You can take it to the bank. The resurrected Lord Jesus keeps his word. And when he said, I will rise again, he did. When he said, it is finished, it was. When he said, whoever believes in me shall never die, they won't. When he said, I will come again, friend, listen carefully, he will. When Jesus said, as he said, that means it's as good as done. So the resurrected Jesus removes all of life's fears. And the resurrected Lord Jesus keeps his word. But the resurrected Lord Jesus also is worthy of our worship. Look again with me in verse 7. The angel told the ladies, amen, told the girls, go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And so they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring the disciples' word. Two words describe Mary Magdalene's response to the word of God. Obedient and quickly. She didn't say, yeah, mom, I'll do it after a while. Her response to the word of God was obedient and, friend, it was quick. Now, don't miss this, friends. God sent his word to those ladies and they were obedient to that word and you ain't going to believe who showed up. The resurrected Lord Jesus. What are you trying to tell me, Brother Bill? I said, well, let's look in verse 9. As they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them. As they began to take the steps of obedience, Jesus met with those disciples. You see, Jesus always responds to steps of obedience. Looking for a little more God in your life, are you? Are you looking for an encounter with the risen Lord Jesus? Why don't you try a little bit of obedience, amen? Because, friend, listen to this. If you want God to show up in your life, you've got to live in obedience to his word. And is that not the ultimate form of worship? Hey, man, this is wonderful. Having services that are orchestrated and singing and giving and preaching and all those responses, that's great. But living in obedience, now, friend, that's for real worship, amen? So you want to worship God? You want to honor the God you claim to love? How about living in obedience to him? 
See, our resurrected Lord Jesus is worthy of our worship. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Why did he say that? He was saying that's the ultimate form of love. That's the ultimate demonstration you can give of love. It's not how beautifully you can sing. It's not if you can teach or preach or witness or uh, any, any of those things. It's not how much money you've got to give. What did Jesus say? If you love me, keep my commandments. Give me your all. Give me who you are. Verse 9 goes on to say that the ladies came and held him by the feet and they worshipped him. Our resurrected Lord Jesus is worthy of our worship. And I want to tell you this, that when God created you and I, he ingrained in our very being this instinct for worship. What does that mean? That means that you're going to worship something. You're going to worship someone. Who or what are you going to worship? Know this. Whatever it is you're worshiping, you're going to become just like it. Whatever it is you're worshiping, you're going to become just like him. You worship things of this world, guess what? You're going to become worldly. You worship God, then guess what? You're going to become godly because you're worshiping him with your life. If you love me, keep my commandments. So the resurrected Lord Jesus removes life's fears. He keeps his promises and he's worthy of our worship. But finally this morning I want to tell you that the resurrected Lord Jesus is the focus of our, our witness. He is the focus of our witness. There in verse 7 the angel said, go quickly. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. Go quickly and then verse 8 says, they ran. They ran to bring the disciples' word. They weren't casual with their witness. They were passionate with their witness. They were passionate about the news that they had to share. Boy, we need some of that same kind of urgency, don't we? You know, I told you at the beginning of this message that this message was really about some introspection. We find the first people at the tomb were ladies. They were women. And God sent word down to them saying, go quickly. Tell the brethren that Jesus is risen. The first witnesses were these ladies at the tomb. What greater examples could we follow than these who had such urgency, such passion to get that good news out. And yet we're content with a Sunday morning hour. What kind of urgency do you have in your life about getting out this incredible news? You know, Jesus said in the end of that chapter, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on this earth. 
Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Friend, what part of that don't we get? What part of that are we missing? What part of that says when it's convenient for you? What part of that says on Sunday mornings only? What part of that says you need to make sections of your life? Your church life, your work life, your home life, your Walmart life? No, it's all the same, friend. Everywhere we go, we ought to be living, breathing, walking, talking Mary Magdalene's. Running to tell people about the risen Lord Jesus. So make no mistake, friend. Your message... This message that Jesus Christ gives to you and to me is all about the resurrected Jesus. Sharing the good news that Jesus died so we might live. Telling people that Jesus rose so that we might experience forgiveness of sin and heaven as our eternal home. To tell people that Jesus is coming again. Are you ready? If Jesus came again as you walked out of this building, are you ready? If Jesus came again as you walked out of this building, are your children ready? Is your family ready? Has your family come to know the resurrected Lord Jesus? Friend, the resurrected Jesus is our message. It is our message. For it's he who removes life's fears. It is he who keeps his promises. It is he who is worthy of our worship. It is he who is the focus of our witness. So before you leave this building, I want to encourage you to answer this question. Do you know him? Do you know the resurrected Jesus? Friend, do you really know him?